Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 61 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew, and joined with me, as always, is Mr. Mike Freeman. Mike, what's up, man? Hello, hello. Hey, today's a special day. It is a special day. It is a unique day for us. It is. The beginning of something new. I hope. Uh, maybe. We'll see how it goes. This is a, uh, this is a test run. This is the t- even though we've already started like three times, but yeah, that's on take me. four. Yeah, <laughs> today we are uh, we are welcoming on board our podcast team, the one, the only Stephen Klukas. Hello, everybody. Welcome, yeah. Stephen. You know, Stephen's been on the podcast multiple times. You and I have spoken, and there's been times where uh, Mike and you have spoken, Stephen. But we've never had the three of us at the same yeah. time. He's been a guest, and now we're testing him out as a one of the hosts. You might be a permanent host. So stop tra- charging me rent for it. Yeah. I, okay, I guess so. Stephen, how are you, man? Dude, we're, we're coming up on four months of your uh, your position here. Man, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, happening. how are you doing, man? That's a great question. <laughs> no, no, I'm doing really well. I think um, I'm seeing a lot of places where I can grow. But man, working with Valley, like working with you guys, is a roller coaster in and of itself. But uh, <laughs> is that a compliment or is that? <laughs> I don't know how I should feel about that. Something psychological just came out. <laughs> Boom. Um, but no, this has been honestly just an awesome three and a half months so far, and I'm I'm just. I'm stoked. Yeah. So for the last three months, you've been focusing on youth ministry and worship ministry. And it's been really cool just seeing a lot of the, the dynamics come together in all that. Worship wise, man, I love seeing that that team is growing a whole lot. And actually the, the backup vocalists that you've been like working with, I see them becoming a lot more confident and they are growing in, in their skills and their abilities. Most definitely. It's been, uh, it's been really cool just seeing that that happen as you, as you work with them. Yep. I agree. So, yeah. Well, from my view, you know, Steven, uh, you're doing a good job. And actually, it's been really fun the last three and a half months having a team besides just Andrew and I doing this and this and this kind of running with our head on fire, head yeah. on fire from one project to the next. It actually is the, the need has been filled. And now we're as a as a staff, we're accomplishing a lot more. I think that's seen in worship ministry growing. I think that's seen in some of the fruit in youth ministry. And, and so it's pretty it's pretty wonderful to serve side by side with brothers and having the same vision and same mission. So it's good. It is. It is nice. Actually, here's a fun story for our listeners. I think it was like your fourth week here, Stephen. And uh, some of the ladies from the offices came and said, hey, there's a situation coming here. And Stephen, you're like, oh, I'll just step in. I'll take care of this. And you walked away. And then Mike looked at me and goes, he just smiled and goes, how does it feel to just have someone who he just took care of what you normally would have taken care of? And I said, it was amazing. And I walked away just smiling because you're here, Stephen. You're doing things. It's great. Hey. So in our pre-show, we did not talk about, you know, putting Stephen on the on the uh, block. Hey, and, man, no, and, if, right. if this picking is on how, him so much, but you know, yeah. if this is what it is to be on your podcast, you guys just sitting there saying nice things about me, by all means, keep going. Well, that's done now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so actually what I, what we like to do is just, we'd like to do a check-in just see how things are going. Uh, so actually, Mike, I, I'd like to start with you. How are things, man? Last night, actually, I had an opportunity to watch you coach. Yeah, you came by the fields at softball. Yeah, I didn't realize like how many of... Uh, I, I saw quite a few church families actually out there. It was cool to be out there enjoying the sun and watching the kids throw um, the ball back and forth and learn. And so how's that going? It is fun. We actually, you know, we practice from 5 to 6.30. And I show up a half an hour early to throw extra batting to any girl that wants to. Okay. And so I got there, you know, about 4.30 and... They stayed late and we got out of there about 7.20. Wow. So we practiced from 4.30 to just after seven o'clock last night and we had a blast 
and uh, the girls are loving it. They're all getting better. They're improving. They're excited. It's uh, it is a joy to be out there. It was a beautiful evening too. I mean, the sun was shining. It wasn't hot. It was. It's really fun to coach. I think my favorite thing about this is as, as I watched you. Uh, I see the kids smiling and laughing and there are actually some girls from the church who come and they hang out and it's really fun to get to know people in different contexts. You know, typically when kids come to youth group, when they come to like a church or something like that, you know, them from this context, it's who they are, but it's fun to see them enjoying a game. It's fun to see them being active and just seeing them interact physically with the world around them and to see that kind of come alive. So I, I think that's one of the best things about the mission field that you're in as a softball coach is just getting to know people from different aspects of their own lives. Yeah. It's being available to people, you know, and yeah. that's a, lot, a lot of what pastoral ministry is anyway, but now it's available to people that are outside the church Yeah, and making some friendships. And so that's really fun. And uh, church is really great right now. I mean, we just finished a staff meeting where we're, we're planning a baptism service for the end of next month. And uh, we just listed out, we have eight people ready in desiring baptism that are probably going to be good to go. And so this comes on the heel of, you know, two months ago we baptized four. And so it's, it's really fun to watch God do some really cool things, especially after Easter. Yeah. You know, I've got a few people I'm following up with that, um, they're not in Christ, but they're, they're open to. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's one of those seasons where you just really love doing what you do. Man, I, I, we said this was last weekend. I really think that ministry is booming right now. People are growing, things are growing, things are coming back, new things are starting. It is it is some fun and exciting times. And actually, one of my favorite things right now is talking to some of our church members who've been here for a while is that there, so many people are stepping up into new forms of who they are now, right? If we're going to do things we've never done, we're going to have to be people we've never been before. And we're seeing like people discover their own their, their new callings, they're discovering gifts and abilities that God has blessed them with, and they're stepping into these things. We're seeing people come to know Christ, and now they're, they're, they're proclaiming it to the world and stuff. It's so cool to see that. Yeah. What's going on in your world? Man, um, actually, I'm excited. This weekend, this weekend, I am going to a, uh, a CrossFit competition. Uh, I'm, I myself am not competing, but um, I will be going there trying to uh, network and to connect and support my friend Vinny, who is going to be competing and it's actually my brother's birthday, so we're going to be up there celebrating that as well, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to um, just connect with a different community and uh, just network, I guess. And so that's kind of the big thing that's on my mind right now. Uh, actually, just even yesterday, we were talking about competition. Uh, one of our students who works out with me, we tested his strength, and he's actually increased his uh, abilities by about 20 pounds every lift for over six months of just working with me and he's getting good. And so we're going to put him in through a gymnastic regimen. And I'm actually thinking about entering him into some competitions in about six months. Uh, I, I, I was looking for his dad last night when I was watching you. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 And I, cause I, I wanted to kind of pitch that to, to him and just see what they thought about that. But, uh, I, this kid's, uh, this kid's got moxie. And I, and I like it. He's got a lot of potential. So I want to see what's going on there. But those are, those are the big things for me right now. Oh, also church related. Uh, we are starting that, uh, sexual clarity class and man, I am so excited to see so many people respond so well to this. Uh, we talked about how we as a church, man, our, our goal is to be, our, our mission is to be a church that builds strong families. And one of the ways that we can do that is taking a look at um, just the brokenness in this area of life and how we can cultivate 
a gospel-driven but grace-filled culture. But not to just say, say it, oh, oh, it's okay, and you're you're wounded. But now let's 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 grow through this and come out of it. Let's see deliverance from this sin, and uh, just so many people have signed up, and I'm excited to to see that. So that's that's a highlight for me right now. I'm excited about the the change in worldview that I think people are going to experience because we we're we're overwhelmed with a with a culture with a worldview that thinks about those issues in all the wrong ways. They're really upside down. And all of the ways that our culture thinks about those issues ends up hurting people and driving people further into the pit of despair. And I think what you you are going to be walking people through based on bi- biblical principles, yeah. it's going to highlight grace, it's going to highlight truth, it's going to highlight a way out and and not just kind of give people a pass for their struggles, yeah. but actually say, Hey, there's, there's a way out of this and there's hope. I think echoing what you just said, we talked about this last week on a side conversation, but what I'm the, one of the most things I'm, I'm the most excited about is how we'll deal with shame in a worldview perspective, because as Christians, we no longer have shame because of Christ. We recognize sin and we acknowledge that we have done wrong. We give it to him. And then through his grace, his sanctification, he deals with that shame. Whereas we talked about this. I think the world now teaches if you have shame in your life, one way to overcome that is to own that shame and then flaunt it as if it were to be a strength, which only causes more damage. Be, pr- yeah. be full of pride. Yeah. Right. That's the, the cultural kind of posture is you should have pride yeah. for this. And when it's outside of what God actually has called you to. And, yeah. and so it's actually not going to give you hope. It's not at all. But uh, that's, that's a conversation. I mean, we can go much deeper into that. And I'm excited to, do, to talk about that during that class. Uh, if people are wanting to be participating in that, um, check the episode description. There should be a link for registration if you're, if you're interested. But uh, Stephen, I mean, you're here, man. What's going on in your world, man? Dude. How are you doing? Dude, it has been just, I mean, it's the beginning of spring coming right on, right on in. And so beginning of spring means the home improvement projects are starting back up. The, uh, my wife and I are planting a garden or we have planted a garden for the first time. And so this is year one of figuring out like, how do you tend the lettuce? How do you tend the spinach? And you, you see us kind of geek out almost every day. Just like, look, look, there are leaves on this growing thing. That's cool. Are you doing planter boxes or are you actually doing like in the ground uh, uh, I, garden? I built some raised beds okay. out, out in the yard. So uh, they're about a foot tall and filled with dirt. So, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's given us another thing to talk about another Avenue, like, Oh, Hey, what do you want to watch on YouTube? Well, Hey, let's go and, and watch this channel where this guy's gonna, you know, in his goofy way, tell us about how stuff grows. Right. And so it's, it's been an interesting dynamic for the family. And of course, Lachlan, he's a year and a half old. And so he just likes going and putting his hands in the dirt. Right. That's uh, fun. I'm pretty sure that's going to last until he's about 20. Right? I, I hope so. I hope, <laughs> I hope there's a whole generation that comes up and that loves working in the dirt. Right. More than like loving electronics and stuff. I don't know. My, my opinions about TV and technology has changed a lot in the last couple of years. Right. I hear you there, man. And so uh, that's that's just there's, there's a lot on the home front happening. And then ministry wise, we've been we've been working hard these last few months just to lay foundations of a new culture in youth ministry, just trying to. They basically drive this theme of respecting each other and respecting each other's time and learning how to treat each other as people instead of just hanging out, having fun and getting our own kicks at others' expenses, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that, very simple things like, you know, if somebody else is talking, I'm not talking. And that, that goes for me too. Like I have a tendency to just chime in, interrupt and have Stephen talks time, but making it so that we have a culture where we understand we're there to be disciples and we're there to learn and there's a time for goofing off and there's a time for buckling down. 
And really, we're seeing a lot of growth in that. We're, I'm, I'm watching as attitudes change. I'm watching as people start holding each other accountable for these things. And it's it's slow, but it's tangible. And so it's been just a very exciting time. That's awesome, man. So, Mike, as we are moving forward, I know that you uh, you wanted to take a break from our 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 little series on resolutions. Uh, actually, you brought something kind of fun to us today. Not that the other things that we've been talking about aren't fun. But uh, you want to talk about family fiction. Yeah. Not to be confused with Fiction Family, which is a band that I, I referenced in, our, in, a, in a different conversation. But uh, you want to talk about some things that you guys are reading as a family? Yeah. So actually, yeah. Um, last week, I was having a conversation with a couple of dads. Okay. Actually. And we were talking about just kind of somehow we spend family time. This connects to Lachlan putting his hands in the dirt. Like we were talking about how do we keep our kids from just being enamored with their screens and being sucked into that. I mean, I actually preached on some of that this last weekend and kind of how you got to be careful of screens. Um, But I was telling them that as a family, we've kind of grown a habit of reading fiction books together. And so it's, we sit on the couch and I read, 90% of it I read, although in homeschooling, my wife does a lot of the reading with the kids. But it's kind of an evening thing we do, three or four evenings of the week, where we sit down and we grab whatever book or whatever series we're working through, and we read together. And I was telling these guys how, um, how awesome it has been for our family, because as we experience these stories together, and we, you know, we're pretty... Um, picky about what we read. Mm-hmm. I don't just pick anything off the the shelf. I, I'm I'm researching books. I'm finding some of the background. I'm I'm looking for books that have at least some sort of a a biblical worldview and the the background that I can use as a platform to talking about the values and the principles and the things that drive our life. Okay. So I found a, a few over the years that we've really loved. But I was telling these guys how how wonderful it is to you know, in life situations, relate these stories to things our kids are going through or to talk about some of the principles in terms of how they're living their life. And you know what? Just straight teaching a value, there's some benefit in that. But when you have a value portrayed in a story that grips a child's imagination, especially a story that has to do with adventure or risk or danger, that has to do with the battle between good and evil, these values that we talk about, they they begin to... I guess, um, solidify in the hearts and the minds of a family in, in a way that I just, I don't even know how, if it's quantifiable, it is, it, it's become part of a family culture. And so as I was talking to these guys, one of them said, man, you should just like post a list of those books on your website. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to podcast about it. I'm going to talk to some of my friends about it and, and have a conversation. And so uh, that's kind of our topic. We're going to talk about stories today. See, we're his friends. I was going to say, hey, dad, all that time I spent reading fiction books. <laughs> my, my dad's big on nonfiction. Is he? Yeah. I, so you, you mentioned it earlier and you asked me about like what fiction books we read. I haven't read like a fictional book in quite some time. Like I read one now to fall asleep to. Okay. But it's, uh, but I'm, so I'm excited to hear for for the hope that I have my own family someday, mm-hmm. what things I could be looking into yeah. into now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you think about reading and we all approach reading in different ways. Some of us only read nonfiction, right? And people in leadership and in ministry, we, I read a lot of nonfiction, right? I mean, I'm, I'm reading a ton every day and most of it is, you know, well, a lot of it's technical, yeah. <laughs> 
you know, some, some Greek or Hebrew kind of working through commentaries, working through passages. Um, you re- you're reading your NA- NASM, yep, your good. fitness certification. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's highly technical, nonfiction, right? Just focused on the details and the facts, right? And uh, do you, you- I, I've read a box of Cheez-Its recently. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're reading like ministry training books. Right? No, yeah, yeah. I've, I've begun a lot of uh, hermeneutical studies and just ministry training to, to get me some of those basics. And yeah, I, I can relate. Well, and that's because for us as a church, too, at least it seems to be for us as leaders, we know that adage that leaders are readers or readers are leaders. Like that's that seems to be true between the three of us. Like we read a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so in reading a lot, it's easy to follow into that. I just got to read for self-improvement mm-hmm. or, or for knowledge. But there's a lot of knowledge to be found in a great story. You know, I mentioned earlier, G.K. Chesterton has this quote. He says, every great story is a retelling of the gospel. And so that's what we look for in the, the books that we read together as a family. We look for books that are going to point us toward those things that ultimately, you know, m- might not be one for one relating to the gospel, but they, they, they hint at the gospel or they give a taste of the gospel or they show some of the, the character that those who live in the gospel begin to demonstrate. They, they point us to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've just, as a family, we've loved it for years to do this. It started with, I think where a lot of families start with the Chronicles of Narnia. And so I want to maybe walk through a few of the, the series that we, we read through, but uh, Chronicles of Narnia, have you guys read it? I've read uh, three out of the seven books. I was just thinking how like you talked about fiction and nonfiction and I, I approach C.S. Lewis with the, his, all his nonfiction stuff and I forget that he, he wrote some really good fictional things mm-hmm. as well too. I should revisit that. I was actually just looking at my bookshelf this morning before coming up to the office and I have C.S. Lewis's space trilogy that I haven't even cracked open yet. So I was just like, huh, maybe, maybe I should go in there. I, I didn't even know he had a space trilogy until I met you, Mike. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Last year I read through two or three. I, I didn't get to the last one. I, I, the last one was the hardest one for me. And so I, I read two of them and I'm like, I'm gonna take a break for a while and sooner or later I'll get back to the third. But, uh, right. but his Chronicles of Narnia, there's seven yep. in there, right? And I think I've actually, my family, we've read through it in the last few years, okay. maybe three times. And we do a combination. A lot of times when we do a road trip, we'll actually listen to those ones mm-hmm. um, because uh, we actually got a really good, like um, a storied set, like different voice dramatization. Nice. And it's really wonderful. And so we'll listen to that when we drive um, for parts of our long drives to Montana or whatnot. But but the, the Chronicles of Narnia... Um, I think Lewis calls it the, the great supposal. He says, what if, what if God were to decide to interact with another world in a similar, but not the exact same way that he interacted with, with the human race on earth, right? And so how has God interacted with us on earth? By sending Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins through his death and resurrection, redeeming us and freeing us from bondage to sin and ultimately restoring us to himself, right? And so the Chronicles of Narnia, um, depending on your order, but the, the first book is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's the first intended one, right? Like that's what he wrote first and he wrote a prequel mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so the, the, they kind of get mixed up in their order. But, uh, but it's a story of Aslan, who's the Christ-like figure. You know, I, I don't think we're supposed to say he is Christ. But in that, he... He, uh, he gives himself up as a sacrifice. And in doing that, he's resurrected because of the, the deeper magic that the witch doesn't know. We could talk about that more if we want. But, but all of it, that's the foundation of the entire story. And then throughout all seven books, there's just all these glimpses of Christian worldview. Did you say you haven't read it? I've read, I'm with Andrew. I've read three of the seven. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's a great starting series. 
The reason I think it's a great starting series is the books are short. Yeah. They're like 150 pages each. And they're like, I'm talking about the, the small paperback versions are mm-hmm. like 150 pages. They're not long. They don't take, you know, hours on hours on hours on hours to get through. They move really quickly. And Lewis doesn't go into too much commentary. You know, there's not like he doesn't get super technical. Another series we could talk about is the series, The Hobbit. When's the last time you guys read The Hobbit? I have attempted it four times. Okay, this is what I'm talking about, right? It is hard. There is so much description. There is so much language, and it moves so slowly. You can spend a couple chapters in just a a walk observing things, right? The Hobbit moves so slowly, and it's a great story, and I'm hoping to get there sometime with my kids. I haven't read that to my kids because because it moves so slow. Yeah. And so I'd say, hey, if you want to start with the series, The Chronicles of Narnia is a great one to start with. So I'm curious, Stephen, what three books have you read out of the series? And I'll reveal my three. Um, so for me, it was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, okay. Magician's Nephew. And I'm pretty sure I've read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Okay. So I'm with you on uh, The Magician's Nephew, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then I read Prince Caspian. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you're missing out. <laughs> yeah I, hey, I, 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 completionist. now i'm like you're right i need to go back and read these other ones well, i took the magician's nephew off my bookshelf to, to kind of restart the series as it were but the I magician's nephew is the prequel it. right that's that's book one yeah. book one yeah it's got the uh the um yes some great uh you know you got the the witches in there mm-hmm. you've got the creation of narnia in there and um so a lot of the, the backstory is in there before the pevensey children yeah. end up in narnia yeah and uh yeah. But the most the most parallel to the story of Christ, I guess we could say, the illusion is the lion, witch, and the wardrobe because that's the actual sacrifice of Aslan yep. to like the quit the queen, like the witch kills him, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then and then more continues after that. But it's it is a great depiction of a uh, of a Christ like story for kids to be reading. Right. Mm-hmm. So you got you've got that. Um, you've also got we talked about the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which those are those are much larger books. Mm-hmm. Those require a lot more work to get through. Um, but then uh, a few others that are more modern that I just wanted to talk about. And I'm guessing you guys probably even uh, haven't even heard of these, but, but the first one is, I think might be my kids' favorite and it's a series It's a four book series. It's called the wing feather series, the wing feather series, the wing feather series. Okay. And the first one is, is called the dark sea of darkness. So just even that title, right? The dark sea of darkness. You can kind of, it's almost laughable, right? Is that okay. dark sea of darkness, like two words or like, like yeah, I'm thinking like yeah. a Pokemon. It's the Dark Sea, you know. <laughs> no, no, it's two, two words, right? Yeah, okay. Dark, uh, like S-E-A. the Black Sea, or something like yeah, that. Okay, dark okay. Sea of Darkness. Okay. okay. And uh, this is a story that has three children, and they're um, they, they they live with their mother and their their grandpa. And uh, story behind the father isn't really clear. And they live in a a time period, and it's a different world completely. They live in a time period when there's kind of an evil emperor over the whole world. And again, his name is Neg the Nameless, right? So every time you read about this this villain, it's kind of like throwback to um, Lord of the Rings, he who should not be named. Or that's that uh, that would be that other one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But Neg the Nameless, right? Get your fantasy right, Mike. Yeah. Uh, But you're not supposed to say the name in. Lord of the Rings, right? It's, so we're talking about Harry Potter in that. So and in, that's, in Harry Potter, yeah. it's he who must not be named. Yeah. In Lord of the Rings, um, Gandalf doesn't want to utter black speech. He doesn't want yes. to speak the language. Yes. I mean, tons of people say the name of Sauron, but you don't speak their language. It's yeah. because words have like an intrinsic power in that universe. You seem to be familiar with uh, the Lord of the Rings. I listen to a lot of old guys. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
so in in the wing feather series uh basically these three children there they end up on an epic adventure and it tests their their loyalty to each other it's full of like danger and risk it's full of of moments when they have to rise up against um insurmountable odds and yet over and over again they they little by little they overcome it has great failure in it by them um by one in particular it has a great sacrifice and uh and so it's it's not quite as a uh, you know as analogous as um Chronicles of Narnia feels in terms of like one for one. But again, the, the principles behind it and the ideas behind it are, they're so rich. And, and I'll be honest, th- this series, um, when we first read it, it was probably five years ago or so. Uh, there were times I remember reading it to my kids and be like, guys, I need a break. Cause I'm like, I was tearing up. Oh wow. Right. It, Man, it's so go and read these books now. So yeah. powerful. Um, just the commitment to each other, the willingness to do the hard thing and the character development is wonderful. I mean, the characters, you, you fall in love with them. The three main characters, one's name's Janner. The other is, um, Kalmar. And the last one is, uh, Lily. There's three siblings, uh, two boys and a girl. And, um, and then uh, th- their grandpa, his name is Poto and he's like a old pirate. He only has one leg and, uh, he just, he's. Every time Poto speaks, you end up laughing. Your kids end up laughing. And so those shared memories, again, just stepping outside of the story, these moments together as a family, as you're reading, as you're laughing, as you're on the edge of your seat, as you're moved emotionally, that time together as a family is incredible. And then building on top of that, just having conversation about the decisions they make and the the trials they face and the sacrifices that they're willing to to make these sacrifices, you you just see it kind of like, I don't know. It, how do you describe it? It's just like, it begins to, to sink into your, to your life and to your family and to your children in a way that is, it's wonderful. You know, I can sit there with my kids tonight and I can say, Hey kids, I want you to be willing to sacrifice yourself for each other. Right. I could talk to my son. Hey, Jaden, you need to be willing to lay down your life for your sister. You need to be willing to protect him. You'd be like, yeah, dad, I get it. You know, but then you, when you, you have it happen in front of your, your eyes, I, I guess, in a sense, mm-hmm. as you listen to a story and as you talk about it, it, it really, it becomes part of who you are. Um, it's funny. We're in another series right now, a new series. Uh, we're just like 11 chapters in and it's called the bark of the bog owl. I think it's a trilogy. Okay. Um, but we're in that right now. And my daughter, she keeps saying, dad, we need to hurry up and finish the series. Cause I want to read the wing feathers again. I want to read the wing feathers again. And so just mentioning some, so the Bark of the Bog Owl, the other one is, uh, it's called the Green Ember series. Okay. And this is written by S.D. Smith, I think his name is. And, um, and this is a story of, of actually it's like rabbits. And so y- you really dig the Redwall series, Red Wall. right? And that's, uh, of mice and rats and all sorts of different, all sorts of animals and creatures. Yeah. And it's the same in this. This is very similar. You've read the Redwall also. Yeah. I love the Redwall series. Tell me a little bit about that. I don't, I've never read that. Steven, you're probably more versed tonight than I am. I just know that there are mice who have swords, like Martin the Warrior, who just takes care of business, and I, I love it. I also just love the the food in it. That's, oh, dude. That's why I love the series. Staple of every single book is a very vivid description of food. Oh, man. man. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. absolutely. There's always some sort of a feast, and he, the author, Brian Jakes, goes into great detail as to exactly what is being served, and it's it's amazing. I would read these books in my bed at night, and then I'd get really hungry, and I'd go have like late-night snacks because of these books. Oh, yeah. They're so good. I've always wondered what a deeper than ever turnip and tater and beetroot pie would be like, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you want to So um, Redwall, it's it's an entire series of books that revolves around a couple common themes um, over the course of numerous generations of these woodland creatures. And so the books aren't in order. So if you're going to read them, start with the first book, Redwall, and then go wherever you want to because the timeline is all over the place, right? So they're just like singular stories and different There's singular stories that all wind together. So like book one... Um, is is in a particular time period. Book two is a prequel to that. Book three is a direct sequel to book one. And so they, they jump around and they're all related. It goes it goes Redwall, which is the first one. Yep. And then the prequel is Martin the Warrior. M- Mossflower. Mossflower. Because yeah. Martin the Warrior, I think, is like book six or seven okay. and is a prequel to Mossflower. And then this book three, the sequel to Redwall is Madame Mayo. Madame Mayo, yeah. exactly. But then you get like Mariah of Redwall, Salamandestrin. How many Elmay. books are there? I want to say there are 14. Okay. Um, I'm not entirely certain how many. I think I got like six in and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. There's, there's, there's a lot too to many. It. But it all revolves around like ultimately a place known as Redwall Abbey, which is kind of supposed to be like a, uh, a sanctuary of, of peace, right? This is where um, it, it establishes very early. If you are a lover of peace, of food and harmony, you probably live at Redwall. And if a, person that is wearing like red wall attire goes throughout the land people generally leave them alone because they know that that person is there to heal and to help and to serve they're not out for their own gain right but uh, as in so many things there are dramas that come across there is corruption that happens and often there are threats from outside that threaten the harmony threaten the peace and as like if, if you just go into the first book um, Redwall Abbey's been there for generations already. It has a very storied history, and it is now under threat from an external force. A uh, an evil rat who is extremely greedy is trying to take the abbey as his own and make it his castle. And he's going to, you know, overthrow the peace and the harmony and rule with an iron fist the entire countryside. And these are peaceful people who now have no hope of defending themselves and so it's the story of a young mouse who has always dreamt of heroism of of following in the footsteps of martin the warrior as as andrew put it and uh, so he goes on a quest to find the sword and the shield of martin the warrior and has to become a hero and along the way he finds a lot of challenges and a lot of things about himself that he has to overcome and he has to make friends he has to make alliances and ultimately has to become a hero when he starts the book as a very awkward, very timid mouse, right? That's awesome. That reminds me of uh, the story we're reading right now. It's called The Bark of the Bog Owl. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the uh, the main character. His name's Aiden Errolson. And he's uh, writing a letter to the king. And it's, a, it's just a very brave letter. He's like, I am available for whatever adventure. If there's, you know, if a dragon needs slain, even if a princess needs to be rescued, I'd even be willing to do that. And he's, <laughs> he's like, and then he gets to the end of his letter and he's like, and if you haven't hap- you know, I, you, I don't know what's going on with the mail because you haven't responded to my last 14 letters. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he's awkward and he, he, but he's desires adventure. And so I guess it's kind of one of those themes that goes across these stories is this, right. this draw to adventure. And I actually, I'm convinced that adventure and adventure stories, especially stories about good versus evil, they are, they're vital for young guys, especially. Absolutely. 
I think a lot of young guys were told always to sit down and to be quiet, things like that. When we're not wired that way, you even think about like in public schools and I might be stepping on some toes here, but so often public schools, uh, young boys, they get kind of labeled as they need, you know, their ADHD or ADD, they need medication. So they'll calm down, but that's not how boys generally learn. They need to be moving and, and shaking and, and, having their, their imagination cast towards something greater. <clears throat> and, and when that happens, they begin to have that, that worldview that says I can be something, you know, That's right. I guess I'm derailed a little bit, but, uh, but I see that in each of these stories. Mm-hmm. I, I see that in each of these stories. Um, and as you were saying, it's, it's seeing the threads in these stories and using that to help bring your family closer together. Cause with those kinds of stories, you can have conversations with your son. I'm hoping that eventually I can have conversations with my son um, honestly, my wife and I have had numerous audiobooks that we've listened to and separately because we haven't had a whole lot of like overlapping family time in recent years, but, uh, more of that to come, but we would listen to the same book and then start talking about it together, talking That's about the fun. characters, talking about the story arcs, and then saying, well, suppose this, what if that, and then finding like common threads and putting pieces together. And Jessica has a knack, a talent for predicting the outcome of a story. And so she'll be like, how much you want to bet that this is what's going to happen? I'd be like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to pick up that bet uh, because you're too good at this. (laughs) But we have common stories that we can then in, in the course of another conversation, just be like, Oh, yep. That's a Kaladin moment right there. And we understand what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, Redwall is, uh, I think what got us on that conversation is another series called The Green Ember. And uh, my daughter really wants us to finish our series for this also because they just came out with the fourth book. And so we've only read three, but it, it's similar also. It's, it's like woodland creatures. And so the main, the main characters are animals. They're, they're rabbits. And so there's evil, there's like evil birds of prey and there's wolves and all these different kind of woodland creatures that are battling and they're battling in a world where evil rules. And so it's not quite what you would describe as a red wall, the utopia that they have. It's more of a dystopia. And uh, bearing in mind, red wall is supposed to be like a haven in the midst of the chaos. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot going on in the world. So what age would you recommend red wall for? Um, honestly, I would go with like, I started them in sixth grade mm-hmm. and that was probably appropriate for me, but I would go fifth grade, fourth grade, depending on um, how advanced of a reader they are through adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I was in seventh grade when I started that. Yeah. So. You know, we, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about Narnia. We've talked about Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and, um, the wing feather, which is one I would highly recommend. Um, bark of the bog owl is what I'm in right now. And then, um, I'm just throwing out some ideas out there. The green Ember series is a, is a good one. Um, for guys in particular, as they get older, my oldest son, <clears throat> he loves an author named Andy Wilson. He's got a handful of, of series and I think Jaden's read them all. And so he's got series like the hundred cupboards. Jay and I read those together and, um, as well as, um, the outlaws of time and the Ashtown Chronicles, I think it's called, I haven't read the last one, but, um, a really fun series, uh, again, high adventure, uh, high on value, high on making decisions with a worldview that aligns with, with a biblical understanding of how life works and, um, worth recommending. Um, there's even some at least in the hundred covers, there's a, a biblical character that appears, although 
not a not a good biblical character, <laughs> oh, but uh, okay. the Witch of Endor. You can oh. you can Google that if you want, but oh. um, she's in those. So it's 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 kind of interesting to okay. see how they the biblical worldview it's woven in and it leads you to oh I've read about this lady before and not in a good way, but yeah, um, she is not related to all those teddy bears that some of our audience <laughs> might be thinking about. This is a star, not a not the Star Wars character or the Star Wars planet, not even the the one in yeah the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, earlier you mentioned about like you you kind of do some research to go find it. Like, what is your process for finding these books for your kids? Yeah, you know, I think um, I hear about a story, mm-hmm. and and so I'll just Google it. I'll find the author, um, and then you, a lot of times on your recommendation list, like Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you read this, you might like this, and so then you just okay. I'm gonna, that's actually how I found the Bark of the Bog Owl. Okay, because of uh, the wing feathers. That series, it was recommended to go along with it, and I found out that it had similar characteristics. And actually, I mean, so much of this story, it it's like the the retelling of um, King David's story. Okay, I mean, we're not very far into it, but we just kind of get to the end of a chapter. And I'm like, what does this remind you of? And they're like, David, King David, and and so um, okay, okay. So you do it through like just kind of like word of mouth and convert, like looking into the individual authors. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And then ask around if you know you talk to someone that you trust and and. Um, and then look at publishers, you know, we, we picked up a series that's called the, the, the Prince warriors mm-hmm. and we got through a book and a half of that. And I think there's three or four books in that series. It did not hold my kids attention the mm-hmm. same way, but again, it, again, it had some biblical references in it. It was actually more overtly a biblical worldview. I okay. think, um, I think my kids felt like the author was trying too hard. And so they just weren't digging that quite as much, okay. but, uh, yeah. So there's, you know, you try things and you, you know, um, it was re- easy with Narnia because I already read that. And, and so you maybe start with something you know. Do you read these before you read them to your kids or you no. just read them with them? Okay. okay. No. And, and you know, there's times where it gets into like some really intense moments. I remember uh, like in the third book of the Wingfeather series, reading it on my back deck with, with Jaden and Ella and, and, and Jess out there. And Jess kind of giving me the look like, this is too intense for Ella. And I was like, I think she'll be okay. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I don't know if I was right or not, but... uh you know, it, it gets intense. Okay. There's real risk in stories mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes evil wins in a chapter and, and you got to deal with that. Well, Mike, thank you for, for sharing. I think for our listeners, uh, you'll probably give, end up giving your list, but I'll put the notes and maybe the links to the Amazon pages for, for people to check out online. And uh, I man, so you said you would probably encourage people to start with the Chronicles of Narnia. And then where, where would you go after that, I guess, if someone read all seven books of the Chronicles of Narnia? I mean, based on your kid's age, I might answer that question a little bit differently. But um, I think the Wingfeather series is just phenomenal. It is, it is such a great story. My kids loved it. Um, I, I'd probably either do that or, or The Green Ember. Okay. And do these come in like maybe audiobooks? I'm thinking about families. I know there are some people who are like, they push back like, oh, I just don't like reading. Maybe, maybe sitting down and listening to the book together, which still is, is a good thing as well too. I know Wingfeather's audio. I know Narnia's audio. I know Green Ember's audio. I'm certain Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, there's audio. That would be surprising if they weren't right now. It would so, be shocking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, most all of these I'm sure you can find on audio. I don't know about the Bark of the Bog Owl, but again, I'm, I'm just 10, 11 chapters okay. into that. Well, that's cool, man. I think there's a lot of opportunities here to build a strong family habit. And that would engage conversation, that engage a lot of, uh, you talked about like instilling life lessons through an example that's being played out. So I think that'll be really beneficial for so many people who are listening to this. And I'd say, you know, we don't do this every night. 
we do this some some weeks we only get one one chapter in a week Mm -hmm. you know we're in we're in the spring we're in baseball season i mean dinner's at eight o'clock some nights this you know Mm -hmm. it's just kind of how it works right now and so just kind of know your family if if you get one or two chapters in a couple days a week that's awesome um you don't have to feel like we got to read every night and you don't have to make it like this strict regimented legalistic thing i mean our kids we watch some tv shows together as well not a ton but if i were to just be like hey all we're ever going to do is read i think they'd be like this sucks i don't want it and so it's knowing your kids knowing how to kind of balance out your family time and it doesn't just have to be all we do as a family is read no go play games do board games go go watch a good tv show together or something like that um make sure it's balanced i guess i would say i don't want i don't want this to come off as like hey this is all we do we read every night and you know like we it's it, there's a lot of variety in mm-hmm. how we operate as a family and our family this is time. linked to an intentional family time is yes. what you're saying yeah so it's there's more to it than just reading and but i, I like it it's not passive in the sense of like just even just watching tv not that that's a bad thing but even what you just said having variety because we want to engage in the lives of your kids not just passively sit next to them yeah yeah and and, you know make it fun there's times when i'm reading a story and i'll you know i'll add something like especially if i think one of my kids tuning out like i'll add that kid to the story and i'll just add some strange line about and then you know asher was in the corner picking his nose and then his head goes up and everyone head go up and everyone smiles and (laughs) it doesn't say that no it doesn't say that you know and so it's i don't know just make it enjoyable have fun have fun with it. It's it really can be a good time. Rabbit trail, real quick. Um, the first time I tried reading a Redwall book, um, Lachlan was obviously like a baby, right? He was he was super young, and uh, Jessica's there holding him, and I'm just like, all right, Dad's gonna read a story, and I start reading this, and I'm kind of feeling that sideways glance from Jessica because she thinks that I'm trying to add accents into the story. I mean, I, I love speaking with different vocal inflections and accents, and so you, you, I can feel her being like, Stephen, what are you doing? This is dumb. But then I'm like, no, 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 that's how it's written. And if you read Redwall. Each different type of animal has a different accent that he has written into the book. And so I'm just like, no, look, right there. It says, Burai, I think we need to go in the rear, you know, yeah. whatever. And she just shakes her head, just, oh, goodness, this is going to be a long road. But it makes it fun. It makes so, it fun, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's cool. We're, the story we're in right now, Bark and the Bog Out, we probably should wrap this up. I, I don't okay, know. Yeah. But, uh, but there's a, the actual, the bark of the Bog Owl is a sound. It's a kind of like a, a bunch of syllables stretched together. And whenever it's in the story, I, I kind of do it loud and proud and really fun. And then I make each of the kids individually repeat the sound. And it okay. just, you know, it just makes it fun. Right. And, and kind of everyone smiles and chuckles and laughs and we're connecting. Well, that's cool. We're connecting. Yeah, and that's good, man. I, I'm excited for to see how that plays out in the lives of our church and if people kind of pick up those books. I know we actually have quite a few kids that are readers. I would love to see what happens if maybe families are reading together and you know, just add that to their family time. Mike, you, Mike uh, thank you for sharing. And uh, Stephen, as we close, what we like to do is we like to pray for our listeners. Would you be willing to pray for the families that Absolutely. could be impacted by this? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's pray, guys. Lord God, we thank you so much for time that we can spend as as brothers and as as brothers and sisters in Christ just examining the stories that you have put on the hearts of other brothers and sisters and, and how this can pertain to our families, God. We pray that we would be able to use them well and really enrich our family time to really build strong families and make those connections that last longer than just idle sitting on a couch, God. Be with us and continue to shepherd us. In Jesus' name, amen.